This is my tribe. 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 tribe. What's up? Welcome to the Tribe Night Messages podcast. Tribe Night is for students who are curious about faith and eager to discover how a relationship with Jesus could change their lives, their schools, and the heartland. For more information, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at cstone.students or text tribe to 94000. Hope you enjoy the message. What's up? What up, guy? How are you guys doing tonight? Hey, everyone. Um, let's start by asking a question. When was the last time that you remember having an argument? When was the last time you had an argument? Some people said last night. Some people said today. How many of you got, on, got in an argument with your friends on the way to church tonight? Does that happen to anyone in here? No. So we just have arguments all the time. Did you know that the average family spends about 49 minutes per day arguing about something? 49 minutes per day. And I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are thinking, well, you haven't been to my house. In my house, 49 minutes feels more like three hours. My parents just argue about everything, taking out the trash, cleaning my room, how much time I'm spending playing Fortnite, helping with chores. Your parents might seem like they're arguing with you a lot. So if we take 49 minutes and then we also add into the time that we spend arguing with our friends, our coaches, our teachers, our classmates, our teammates, some might say that we spend a lot of time arguing in our lives. You see, arguments, fights, disagreements, misunderstandings, whatever you want to call them, they happen. Sometimes they're big arguments and fights about huge things. Your parents might be arguing and fighting about getting a divorce. Or sometimes they're little arguments and fights about things like whether you're going to go to Taco Bell or McDonald's. And to me, that shouldn't be an argument. You should always go to Taco Bell. Um, See, some of you are already ready to fight now. You're like, nope. We're going to McDonald's. You don't go to either. You don't care as long as it's food. That's a really great statement. Where's McDonald's? You forget I'm from Alabama. Occasionally my accent comes out. Roll Tide. So sometimes you make up with these people after you argue with them, and sometimes you don't make up with them. And you see, although each fight and each outcome of a fight or an argument has a different reason that it started or a different reason that you're doing it, I believe that behind just about every disagreement you have in your life, it surrounds this thought. I know better than you do. I know better than you do. You see, thinking that you're better or that you know better than someone else can be a tough place or something tough for a lot of us to admit. Not many of us will willingly stand up and go, you know, all the time, I'm around my friends, I'm around my parents, I'm around these people, and I think that I know better than any other person on the earth. 
But you see, deep down, a lot of us think that way. There's a couple of you in this room that would actually say that out loud. But a lot of us think that way, but we won't say it out loud, that we think we know better than other people. You see, growing up, I loved arguing with people, mostly because I loved making people feel like idiots. Growing up, that was me. Like, I'm just being transparent. Like, it had nothing to do with church. It had nothing to do with my house. I just loved proving that I was smarter than other people. Anyone else in the room like that? Thank you for being honest. There's just something when you're standing in a circle of your friends and your friend says something that you know is not true. Something boils up inside of me and I go, "Mm, I'm going to let you finish, but I'm about to ruin everything you just said with the truth. So since graduating high school, I've gotten a lot better than that. But there's an argument that happens a lot in Alabama, specifically around football. And it's Alabama versus Auburn. Alabama versus Auburn. And Ethan's over there shaking his head because Ethan, low down, low key, is an Auburn fan. Right, that's the response it deserves, silence. Everyone's like, how dare you, Ethan? And the rest of us in the room, whether you want to admit it or not, are Alabama fans. You don't have to go there. It's okay. We're going to believe that you're Alabama fans. And so arguments that would happen in Tuscaloosa a lot of times were heated around whether Auburn sucked or Alabama sucked. And the thing I love about sports in general, if you especially look at professional sports, No one in this room is on a professional sports team that I know of. Yet we argue about these teams like we're extremely passionate about it, like they are paying us millions of dollars to argue for them. We argue and we win nothing from it, except to prove that we are right. So remember, arguing, a lot of it comes from we think we know better than they do. We think we're right and they're wrong, We know and they don't know. We're smart, and honestly, they're just not that smart. Most of us would say we don't necessarily pick arguments or fights, unless you're like I was in high school, and then you literally did walk around picking arguments and fights. But no one would ever say that out loud. Eventually, those thoughts and motives, those thoughts motivate our actions. They change the way that we see ourselves. But not only that, they also change the way that we see the people around us, these arguments, these thoughts that we know better than every person in a room. We believe we know better. We believe we can do better. We believe we are better. And so we enter these arguments. Eventually, we start to act as, as, as though we deserve better. Maybe you think you're the best player on the team, so you deserve to be the captain of the team. But your coach picks another person to be the captain of the team, and what do you do? You get mad and you argue with the coach. Now, some of you in this room would say, I would never argue with my coach. And I've been to some of your sporting events, and I would say, you definitely argue with your coach. Maybe you're the best musician in your school band, or you think you're the best musician in your school band, and you practice really hard to get the first chair in the band but you get second chair. 
And you get mad at that person that has the first chair. Or maybe you think you're a better friend than every other friend in your friend group, but yet the friends in your friend groups pick their other friends over you every single time, and drama enters your friend groups. So no matter what it is, none of this sounds super great. And if we were actually better at something or know better than someone else, thinking about it can affect how we perceive ourselves and how we perceive other people. You see, it's hard for me to admit that the way I think about myself compared to other people sometimes. Like, no one freely goes, you know, I woke up this morning and I just thought to myself, man, I am a way better person than Luke is. Like, I never, like, I never went up to Luke and said, hey, Luke, you're a great guy, but I'm way better in you than you are. Way better than you're ever going to be. I never say that. But some of us have those thoughts. You see, it's hard for me to acknowledge that the reason some of my relationships have conflicts is because of me. Maybe you're in relationships and there's always drama going on. Have you ever stopped, paused, and backed up and thought to yourself, maybe I'm the reason that all of the crazy things is happening in my friend group or in my home? Or maybe it's because the way I see myself is better than the other person in the equation. You see, it's an important truth for all of us to realize about ourselves, that we think higher of ourselves than most people think about us. And when we think higher of ourselves than most people think about us, we can get into this space where we want to tell people that they're wrong all the time and prove to them that they're wrong. You see, anytime we feel like we're better than someone, it reveals an issue with our character. It shows us something about the way we see ourselves and others isn't quite right. You see, character is very big in your development as a Christian, in your development as a person. I don't know about you, but that's something I want to change. I want to be a person that has better character when it comes to this issue of pointless arguments and fights. So far in this series, we've been looking at some of the best stories that Jesus has ever told in the Bible. He calls these stories parables. And tonight we're going to look at another story where Jesus tells this story and kind of presents it as a mirror, a mirror for them to stand in front of, to look at, and to reflect on who they are inside. You see, the parable we're going to look at today was written down by a man named Luke. So it's going to be found in the book of Luke. And when Jesus shared this particular parable, he was at a dinner party held by a really respected man in the community. And before they started eating, the guests carefully chose where they were going to sit. And this is why that was important. But before I tell you it was important, I'm going to practically show you why this was important. So Ethan, if you'll come up here. Let's go. Yeah, Ethan. Ethan. Let's go Jacob. Let's go. Maddie Hill, Brooklyn, Keaton. raising your hand? No, you're just waving at me. Let's go with Cade. All right, y'all can have a seat.
So something very interesting just happened that we'll talk about here in a second. Um, so you see, in this culture, when you came and ate at someone's table, and I'm going to tell you something that I absolutely, like, it gives me social anxiety. Like, if someone would have called my name and told me to come sit at a table, I would have instantly gotten anxious. If I've ever gone to a restaurant with a group of people, I instantly get anxious when we go to a table. Why? I don't know where to sit. So in this culture that Jesus is going to talk about, something very important happens. The way that you sat down says a lot about you as a person. Uh Uh-oh. And so in this culture, Jesus would allow people to sit where they wanted to. But a lot of times when they had these parties, there were assigned seats. So think wedding. In this particular story, Jesus is talking about a wedding. And you see, in this culture, the closer you sit to the host of the party, the higher your status was. Sitting showed the guests that were at the party, based on your seat, how much better you were, how much cooler you were, how much more important you were than all the other guests at the party. You see, their seat determined their status. How do you feel about that, Brooklyn? Brooklyn doesn't know how to feel. You're the best, is what Ethan said. (laughs) Ethan, tonight we're talking about a topic that you're going to love. (laughs) So knowing this to be true in their culture, Jesus wanted to explain that he valued something different. So he shared this parable about dinner guests around a table. And this is what Luke chapter 14, 8 through 11 says. You can read along on the screens as I read it to you. It says, when someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor. For a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited you, invited both of you, will come and say to you, give this person your seat. Then, humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place. So that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all the other guests. For all of those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Like I said, we're going to practically look at this. So I invited all of these guys to come up and have a seat at this nice table that I put here before service started. And you see, what Jesus is saying is, imagine you're being invited to the biggest, the most coolest party ever. Imagine that your favorite celebrity, whoever it is, texted you, Snapchatted you, sent you an Instagram message and said, hey, we're having a party, come to this party, and you got there, and you sat down at the table. So when it's time to pick your seat, you have two options. You can sit in the best seat next to your favorite celebrity, or you can sit at the seat at the end of the table. Now, what that passage tells us is that if you choose the best seat, you're basically saying to everyone, I deserve to sit here because I'm better than you are. Kate just called Brooklyn a jerk. So what you didn't hear as they were coming to the table, Kate got halfway up here and goes, I'm going to sit next to TiVo. And Brooklyn yanked the chair out and sat next to me. Then Kate sat next to her. And so Kate just called her jer- a jerk because that's what we do when we love our friends. Um, but when you do that, you run the risk of being embarrassed is what this passage tells us. Why? Because there might be someone more deserving of the position of honor 
at the table. But if you choose the second seat, as the passage says, the host might invite you to come sit closer. So something also very interesting happened when I invited all of these guys to come up to the table, guys and girls. Jacob, very much like I do in social situations that I don't know what's going to happen, he stood back, everyone else started grabbing chairs, and Jacob immediately went to the last chair at the table. I don't know if anyone else noticed that. So what this passage is saying is that what could happen as me being the host, whatever celebrity you invite, invited you to their party, I can go, Brooklyn, that chair was not for you. That chair was for Jacob. Will you switch with Jacob? Jacob said he saw it coming. He was playing the long game there. If I sit in this chair, I'll get the move. But if you chose the second seat, the least important seat, like this passage says, the host has the opportunity to honor you because you've taken the position of humility. You see, this is a concept that I have a very hard time understanding growing up at your age, the concept of showing humility. Growing up, I didn't get it. Like, if we're supposed to train to be the best, if we're supposed to study to be the best, why do we have to pretend like we're not the best? So what we're not talking about is having a false self of confidence, having false self-confidence about yourself. Like, we're not telling you to think about yourself lower than what God thinks about you, but what we're telling you is that God doesn't want you to brag about all the gifts and talents that he's put inside of you. And so... Let's give these guys a round of applause as they go back to their seat. You see, humility means that you see and put others before yourself. You see and you put others before yourself. A humble attitude would motivate humble actions. Having humility in your heart will change the way that you treat and respond to others. It literally will change the way that you do it. You see, instead of trying to be first all the time, you will choose to be second or third. Instead of trying to sit, so like, I know you've all been there in restaurants. If you don't sit in the middle of the table, it's very hard to hear what's happening at the table. But instead of fighting for the seat in the middle of the table, maybe humility for you looks like choosing the seat like Jacob did at the end of the table. Being okay, being away from all of the action that's happening. Or maybe for you, Humility looks like not falling out in the middle of the court after you shoot a three-point. That was a shout-out to Michael, who was not listening. You were listening. Shout-out to Michael. Last night, Michael was at his all-star game, and he shot a three-point, and then he pretended to faint. It was hilarious, but some people there didn't understand what he was doing. Um, So you see, having humility in your heart will change the way you treat and respond to other people. So why was Jesus teaching them about humility? Because that's the way that the kingdom of God works. The kingdom of God works through humility. You see, Jesus himself showed us that. It's the gospel wrapped up in the life of Jesus. You see, he came to earth as a baby. He left everything that he knew. He left the ability to have all the power, and he chose to become a human just like you and I. He was perfect. He literally was the best person that ever walked the face of the earth or that will ever walk the face of the earth. He was fully man, but yet he did not sin. 
But did he walk around proclaiming to everyone, hey, I'm Jesus, I'm perfect? No. Jesus took the path of humility. Jesus chose to serve other people. Jesus spent his time serving others, loving others, and treating others as though they were better than he was. You see, something shifts when you choose to treat the people around you better than you are. In many ways, it was like he chose to sit at the end of the table instead of fighting for the seat in the middle of the table. And that's exactly what he's calling us to do with our lives. Even if we are, in fact, right, or even if we are the best basketball player on the court or the best football player on the field or the best saxophone player in the band, Jesus is calling us to take the seat in the posture of humility. He's calling us to put people ahead of us. So why is humility important? Because it helps us see the value in other people. It also helps remind our hearts that the person we're serving is a person that's loved by God, and they are important to him. The way that you walk through your high schools and your middle schools, the way that you walk through your neighborhoods and play on your sports teams or play in your extracurricular activities, the people that you interact with, when you start viewing them the way that God views them, things will ultimately shift for you. If you start taking the place of humility when you see them and choosing to serve them instead of trying to get things from them, the way that your relationships work will change because that means you're approaching your relationships through the mindset of the kingdom of God. You see, humility helps us live more like citizens of God's kingdom because putting others first changes us and our relationships for the better. If you're anything like me, your tendency would probably be to do what the people at the dinner party did. So like I said, when I walk into these social situations, I don't like being at the end of the table. I normally try to get somewhere in the middle of the table um, because it's easier when we see ourselves better than what we are. Because like I said, we're not trying to inflict false self-confidence. What we're trying to do is be humble because Jesus was humble. It's in our nature to tend to see ourselves better than the people that are around us. That usually only ends in conflict, though. So you have to fight that inner voice inside of you that goes, I'm better than that guy. It doesn't mean that you try to be better than him, but you just don't need to tell him that you're better than him. And at the same time, you need to serve and love him just like you would serve and love someone else. So what would happen if we chose humility instead of pride? So instead of thinking we deserve the top spot on the team, what would it look like if someone else got that captain's role and we went up to them and we congratulated them for working hard and for getting the honor? Instead of believing that we were the most important friend in our group, what would happen if we went out of our way to make sure that every person in our groups felt valued and invited and like they belonged and like someone saw them? Instead of ignoring a new kid at school, what if we went out of our way to say hello? What if you went out of your way tonight at tribe night to meet someone that you don't know, to look for someone that's not hanging out with anyone else and go, hey, my name is Tebow, what school do you go to? And get to know them. Instead of waiting for our parents to do to ask us to do our chores, what would it look like if we finished them before they even asked? I, for one, think that we would have a lot less drama and conflict in our lives if we led our lives out of humility. 
That's what humility looks like in action. Putting others first changes us and our relationships for the better. Ben, you guys can go ahead and make your way back to the stage. So this week, I want you to think of just one way you can practice humility. Just one way you can practice humility. Maybe you can practice humility this week by choosing to apologize first. No matter who started the argument, no matter who was wrong, you choose to go first and say sorry. Maybe you can practice humility this week by celebrating someone who gets something great in their lives. Maybe it's something that you even deserve because you worked harder than they did, you studied harder than they did, you practiced harder than they did, yet they still got it. Maybe this week you should try celebrating them. Maybe this week you can try admitting you're wrong in a fight and giving the other person a chance to explain themselves before jumping to conclusions. Or maybe this week you can invite someone into your group or go out of your way to do something kind for someone that's around you. Whatever it is, I want to challenge you to find one way to put someone ahead of yourself this week. And then watch how your relationships and even your heart become better. Remember, putting others first changes us and our relationships for the better. And as we wrap up today, I want you to think about this question. What's one way I see myself as being better than others? And as you think about that question, I want to challenge you with this thought. What would happen, it's whatever came to mind when you thought of that question, you decided to choose to be second instead of first. You decided to let God show you how to be humble in that situation instead of you trying to be the best person in that situation. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for everything that you do for us. I thank you for sending your son Jesus as a baby to die on the cross for my sins, for the sins of every person in this room. And God, as we wrestle with this question this week, as we wrestle with the thought of how do we put others before ourselves like your son Jesus did, help show us ways that we can be more humble. Help show us where we're coming up short. Help show us people that we're overlooking, arguments and fights that we're having that aren't pointless. Help us be more kingdom-minded every day. Help us realize that with our words and our actions, we're inviting either heaven or hell to this earth. That in our friend group, it's okay to stand up. It's okay to have fun, but at the same time, we have to speak truth and we have to speak it in love. Help us to be a people that are known as walking humbly to those that are around us. And God, as we go back into worship, I pray that you just help tune out anything, any outside distractions that we might have. That as we sing these songs, lift our hands and lift our voices to you. That we're not just singing words off a screen, but that we're singing praises to you, the creator of everything. That ultimately would change the way that we view this week, our lives. I thank you in advance for what you're going to do. And I pray all these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, go ahead and stand up as we go back into worship.